This weekend, the lads come up against Crystal Palace, which, when you think about it, is just a big glass house. And hopefully, those villains will be the ones holding the stones. You know what I mean. This is Talk of the Trinity. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Talk of the Trinity podcast. I am Baz Barrett and disappointing are many tens of legions of fans. I am once more not joined by my co-host, Mr. Trinity himself, Will Forrest. He has picked up a lucrative sideline in taxi services. So he will be out and about getting the views of the Villa faithful to feed in to his preview and reviews, which you will hear later in the show. Do not worry about that. But another place where you can keep up to date with all of the Villa news, views, previews, reviews is on our Twitter page at Talk Trinity. You can catch up on previous episodes on our YouTube channel, Talk of the Trinity, or you can listen to our audio episodes using our audio providers, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google. We are also on fan hub and getting straight into the events of the last week or so a place which was a very happy place to be come five o'clock on saturday afternoon just gone was goodison park where villa came away with the three points everton nil villa two and you've probably heard the record breaking it is it is technically a record of Ollie Watkins becoming the first Villa player to score in five consecutive Premier League games. First Villa player to score five in five games since Paul Rideout. I mean, football did exist before 1992 for our younger listeners. And Andy Gray with the record currently with seven consecutive games. But a very good performance from Villa, really, <laughs> with that non-over-analytical um, viewpoint. Everton were, you know, trying to build that fortress Goodison mentality. They beat Leeds the previous week. They beat Arsenal in Sean Dyche's first game. But it was really a very, you have to say, efficient performance, really. I mean, in terms of Ming's, good Ming's, Turned up, you know, today expertly marshaled that back line. Emmy Martinez does what he does, get booked for time wasting and also makes some great saves. And John McGinn in the team in that new role on the right-hand side, looking reinvigorated, I think it's fair to say, since Unai Emery came back into the team. And as we mentioned, Ollie Watkins knocking him in. And we've it feels like last season's debate in terms of Emmy Brundier. Should he be in the starting lineup? Should he be in the bench? He's had created a bit of a reputation for himself last season of coming off the bench. And he did it again and scored a goal. I mean massively helped by Connor Cody <laughs> playing a game of musical statues in the back line, but still a nice move by 
Brundier finishing it off and leading to the comfortable on the scorecard at least a comfortable result for Villa and four wins out of five away from home in the Premier League same as Man City in the time that Unai Emery has been in charge and you know I think it's in terms of that side of the game appears to be very well set and I've talked previously about how please after the Arsenal game Emery came out and really talked about the things he was unhappy about more than the fact that going into injury time Villa were looking on course to get an unlikely point and it was similar again after the Everton game in terms of saying that his main concern was going to be why the away form could not be translated to home and only two wins out of seven at home since Emery took over and that is what he would be focusing on after the game and that and that's a good attitude to have in terms of trying to improve this team not getting too excited when we win focusing on areas to improve when we lose and and as mentioned before that he's only going to lead us into good stead i mean i don't really want to pick too many downsides really i mean leon bailey not great in the grand scheme of things been only one goal in the last few games, is he going to be part of the revolution moving forwards after the summer? I mean, you'd hope so. You'd think there'd be a place in the squad for him. But we've talked previously about a striker being top of the list in terms of summer transfer activity. And yeah, there's you'd expect that <laughs> to remain in place after the recent performances. But you know, momentum is difficult to gain and easy to lose. And Everton, when they got smacked 4-0 away at Arsenal, straight after the Villa game, I mean, you know, Arsenal top of the league, not the most outrageous result in the world on paper. But a game against Villa, which they were targeting, you would expect, thinking they could get three points. And, you know, Villa were the better team, really. And I think in terms of, I think especially... In, in the second half, I um, mean, in terms of Everton, yeah, it would be fair to them, which I don't have to be because it's a good podcast, but I will. They, you know, probably had the better of the, the first half. You know, kind of had a opportunity, which was prevented by Tyrone Wings. But, yeah, you know, I think in terms of, you can see Everton's trouble has been the last couple of years, lack of goals. Villa have one striker in form looking to get two at least in the summer but good three points for Villa and keeps us in the 11th in the table same points as Chelsea at time of recording and at time of recording the next game coming up for Villa will be on Saturday afternoon at Villa Park whereby Crystal Palace are the visitors and Palace in the table are 12 only one place behind Villa so on the face of it fairly even game you'd think but Palace you know you have to look a bit deeper in terms of their form currently they have you know they have not won in nine games since New Year's Eve when they went away at Bournemouth so in the league they've not won in the calendar year, also have one in the cup because they got knocked out of that. But 
In terms of their recent performances, you could say that on beating in three. They drew at home to Palace. You know, Palace drew at home to Liverpool last weekend. Previous game to that, they drew away at Brentford, draw at home to Brighton. They've drawn at home to Newcastle, drawn at home to Man United. So decent results in isolation. But yeah, though those wins in that wins column are looser to come by. But uh, looking at their teams, the only team it's difficult to make a case in terms of teams they definitely should have beat in that run. So they've navigated their way through that set of fixtures and you know they'll be looking ahead hoping for some easier games I mean they've got Man City at home <laughs> after Villa then Brighton away then Arsenal away so doesn't really let up for Palace until April <laughs> when when they uh, have a clearer run um, unsurprisingly to the end of the season but as we've touched upon Previously, we've spoken quite admiringly about Crystal Palace. Gen- generally speaking, good team, good manager, decent players. I mean, you, you look in terms of the game against Liverpool. You know, Liverpool have got their own issues going on at the moment, but well organised, got a point, clean sheet. There's you know similar theme for a few teams in the league goals perhaps have come a little difficult especially if Zaha is not playing I mean he was injured um, against Liverpool at the time recording not sure if he's going to be playing against Villa but you know they have a system they believe in and the manager they believe in and it's going to be not a straightforward game especially in light of the aforementioned issues Villa have at home in uh, knocking teams off, especially teams who are going to play on the counter, which you suspect Palace will, um, based on their recent run of form and perhaps lack of goals in their team to date. But you know, and I think this is a team which is going to be more about what Villa, a result about what Villa do um, rather than what the opposition do. Villa have to find a way to translate that away form to home to try and get on the front foot. I mean, in terms of Emre has said his views Villa get a bit too frantic at home and need to take the full 90 minutes, um, use the ball, build through possession, which you have more leeway to do away than you do at home because the crowd um, at home are expecting to play on the front foot, to get forward, to create chances. So managing the opposition is going to be as important as managing the crowd really in this instance so I think there's going to be an element of um, wanting to put on a show I mean especially for Villa who score a lot of goals early um, in the Premier League but in terms of team selection you know Coutinho just as you thought he'd turn a corner he's injured so not, not expecting him to play not really too many choices you know in terms of fullbacks really you'd say are the only areas perhaps up for great scrutiny and as you know you've split one day in for Ramsey Moreno for Din and Young for Cash perhaps there's that the rest of the team I'd suspect picks largely picks itself at this stage you might have a wild card around playing up front or Traore even perhaps but 
based on what Emre said previously, then suspect that will be the case just yet. So two teams, draw specialists, Palace in recent times, Villa unable to get too many wins at home. Winners just look and my co-host often says that whenever I predict Villa to win, that is generally when things go wrong. So, I mean, for the good of Villa, I am suspecting whether I should go for a draw um, just because that means that we will win. But I am going to go on the optimistic side just to really annoy Mr. Inti himself where, when he listens uh, back to this podcast because I'm going to go for a win. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to... Watkins on form, McGinn on form, Palace goal-scoring an issue for them. I think we're going to do just enough to get a result and we're going to try and break that home form hoodie. So I am going to go for a home win and I'm going to go 2-1. Two, 2-1. Two, one. Two, one. I haven't talked about how Palace can't score. They will never be scored against us. So I'm going to factor that into my score prediction. But I, I think we will have enough. And yeah, I'm going to go for a win. You've heard what I suspect my co-host, Mr. Trinity, will say. But if you want to know for yourself, what actually is he going to say? Well, fear not, because you will be hearing from him right now. So, Baz there with his um, positive reaction when he says 1-1 draw. Because he wants us to stabilise things now. For me, I'm always worried when Baz says that he wants the Villa to do well or he thinks that we can do well because him saying that just rings alarm bells we always lose I'm uh, considering returning my ticket if I'm completely honest with you to the game tomorrow but alas I I won't be doing that I won't be letting Baz get me down and have that negative effect We look at the Everton game and it was a performance that we needed to grind out a win and get a clean sheet. John McGinn, fantastic coming back into the team, which obviously he did against Arsenal. But really, really uh, having an impact for both of the goals. As did Emi Bondia, who had to settle for a place on the bench. Ollie Watkins, 5 in 5, that's not bad at all. I mean, let's be honest, we called him Wally instead of Ollie at times. It was a, a slip of the tongue by Baz initially. But Watkins is one of those defensive forwards, a forward who will defend from the front. But with the extra hours he's putting in, in training, and with all of the endeavour that he has playing, as the main man for Aston Villa, it certainly looks like he's going to be the future. Gabby's worried about that goals record. I certainly hope that Ollie Watkins will break that. And then Emi Buendia's lovely little shift to leave three Everton players for dead before hammering home a left-footed finish into the near corner. Well, it was a finger beauty. Emi loves playing against them especially at Goodison Park for the Villa. 
Now, I'm not going to dwell on the past too much. It was a great three points. I'm feeling positive, and maybe that's because I'm going out this Friday night, and I'm not seeing Baz. I don't see him every Friday night. I don't even see him when we record anymore. Um, All by myself. Anyway, less of that. Here we are, on the walk to Attic Brew in Bourneville. If you know, you know. Thinking about that home game against Crystal Palace, knowing that they have got many danger men. Elise, Eze, Zahar, Joaquin Anderson and Gay, five fantastic players who play for them. And Palace, they haven't been doing great recently, which... Yep, you guessed it. It worries me because I'm a Villa fan and I know how these things tend to pan out. We want less of the usual. We need Unai to be the man to stop these frequencies from happening when we play against a team who who haven't done well for a while. They, They haven't won for a number of games. They haven't won yet in the Premier League this year. 2023. So they're coming to Villa Park without scoring in the first half of the game since the Bournemouth match that they had. And you might be thinking, well, all right then, that is going to be 1 or 2 0 Palace, both goals in the first half. Let's put a bet on that 16 to 1, whatever the stakes are. And that's how Palace are going to get their first victory. Do I think Palace will score? Yes, I do. I think that we're a little bit too casual at the back. Even with the mighty Tyrone Mings making goal line stops and generally being fantastic enough to earn a new contract. Even with the best goalkeeper in the world and a massive congratulations there to Emiliano Martinez. He deserves it. Not only for being the Aston Villa goalkeeper, but for being amazing for Argentina. But I think that we've got enough to pin Palace back. They're going to try to counter-attack us. And what we need to do, really, is to be able to, to quell that, to get forward, to get the ball to our maestros, to work harder than them to run further, run faster, break them down, really get into them. And set pieces as well, I think will be key. Not just defending, but attacking. We've got some marvellous set piece takers in Dougie Louise and Luca Dean. Let's hope that Austin Fear McPhee, Austin Fury, sorry, WrestleMania on the mind. Let's hope that Austin McPhee has been getting them ready for for the game ahead. I days who thought there'd be this much traffic at this time of night. But um I'm thinking with the industrious John McGinn back and with everyone deer in the side alongside Ollie Watkins, we could be onto something good here. Now I see the team being the same except for Buendia coming in for Bailey. And when legs get tired, Bailey comes on, as does John Duran, who Really hope I get to see tomorrow at Villa Park, out on the pitch, banging in goals. And I think he could. 
along with Ollie. And I think that we'll get three all together. Palace. Palace, Palace, Palace will get one. Aston Villa three. Crystal Palace one. Now, I've got to say thank you to everybody for following our Twitter page. For following us, subscribing on YouTube as well. For all the listens that we gain on Spotify and on Apple, it's really, it really, really is appreciated. And the good thing about it is that we continue to grow. And we want to continue to grow more and more over over the season, over the coming seasons. We love to we love to engage with you all. We love having the guests on, and I'm sure that you'll see some more in the coming weeks. But until then. If you're down at Villa Park and you see us say hello, you'll recognise the beanie hat. Well, you won't. You've not seen it before. It's blue. It looks a bit like a shipman's slash a painter and decorator's. But as I said at the start, Crystal Palace is just a fancy name for a glass house. And let's hope that it is us who are throwing the stones launching the rocks, getting the first shots off and uh, we hit our target and we see it all come shattering down around Palace. This has been talking Trinity. I'm Will Forrest. Before me is Baz Barrett. He's Villa till he dies. I'm Villa till I die. Cheers, Tar. Thank you very much. Up the villa.